are jumping into a brand new series. We are going to do a deep dive on the book of Habakkuk. Um, so you can totally go ahead and turn there. Um, but we we were in a series called Questions Christians Hope No One Will Ask. That is a mouthful. And I'm glad I'm probably not going to have to say it anymore. But uh, that was a lot of fun, right? We um, jumped into a bunch of different, you know, questions and, and hard questions. And, um, and I'm excited to uh, jump into this because I think it just pairs really, really well with some of those hard questions. So um, tonight we're going to talk about when should we wrestle with God? When should we wrestle with God? Next week we're going to talk about when to shut up and listen. Did you know that's, that's, a, that's a thing, right? Sometimes we just need to shut up and listen. And then we're going to finish it off with when to worship no matter what. And um, this will be kind of a short series, but uh, the book of Habakkuk is really short. And we'll jump into some of the background here in just a minute. But who in here is like a movie person? You know what I'm talking about, right? Okay, you love movies. You've seen all the weird, obscure Japanese movies, and uh, you know all the words, and you, you quote them incessantly, and like everybody is annoyed by you because you quote all these movies, and then they expect you to know the references. Um, <laughs> and you love to show people the movies you like, right? That's like the whole thing. Like, um, you know, you, uh, uh, you're, you're like having a, a hangout or whatever, and you're like, dudes, I got to show you this movie, and you're super stoked to show them your movie. And then there's everyone else who has to put up with our craziness, right? They have to put up with us showing them that movie that was like from 20 years ago that was like defining for us, right? Um, so I'm actually the former, like I love movies. I'm all about movies. I'd much rather watch movies than TV, right? Um, and uh, I wanted to show Jessa a movie, uh, I think it was like last week. Um, actually, it was after our movie night. Hey, on Thursday night, last week we did a movie night. It was super fun. And after it was over, <laughs> we were like, uh, let's just watch another movie. It was super cool. So we had a double feature. But um, I, I left there, and I was like, man, I really want to watch a creepy, scary movie. It's Halloween. And um, I grew up watching all these, like, horror movies, and I can't really do that anymore. But I love, like, just really scary movies. So I picked out this movie, and I said, I really want to show this movie to you. So she was gracious. Luckily, she's not that kind of a movie person, so mostly, like, I'll show her a movie, and like by the next day, she'll even remember the movie that we watched, so it's great. Um, but I'm stoked, right? The movie's playing, and she's getting into it. She's asking like, oh my gosh, are they going to live till the end? And so I, I know, I know she's getting into it, right? And then she's like, wait, what did he say about his backpack? He say something about his backpack? You know, and so I, I'm, like, I'm, I'm like sensing she's getting like really into this movie. And there's this thing in our culture where we want everything to work out right. We want everything to work out in the end. We want tension to be resolved, right? All the, the, the pain, the struggle, whatever it is, we want it. It could be as crazy, you know, um, um, just, just insane movie as long as it ends happy, right? And uh, so she was pretty ticked off. We were like on the edge of our seat. It was like seconds until the movie was over. She had no idea. And then it was like, Doof. And we're just left there. And she thought it was like the worst ending to a movie ever. And I got in big trouble. So um, <laughs> why would she's like, why would you make me watch that? That was horrible. You ever felt that way? You get out of a movie and you're like, that was a waste of 
you know, 30 bucks and two hours of my life. You guys ever felt that way before, right? Um, well, that's what happened in our house the other night. But um, we do this though, right? We want that resolution at the end. Um, we want the hurt, the pain, the anger, the tension, the problems to all be resolved. Think about it like a sitcom. Why are sitcoms so popular, right? It's because we can kind of feel that, that, that ease of knowing that whatever's wrong, there's going to be that moment at the end of the show. And I totally should have had a video prepped for this moment. But it's when they play the soft music and everybody group hugs. Right? Full House. Y'all y'all seen that show? Yeah. Anyway, maybe I'm showing my age. Anyway, whatever. All right. Sitcoms, right? Why can't life be like a sitcom? If only tensions and struggles and pains and problems can be resolved in 30 minutes. But you guys and, and myself, we know different. We know different. In fact, there's... Issues in life that aren't going to be resolved in 30 minutes. They're not going to be resolved in 30 days. They might not even be resolved in 30 years. These issues might plague our lives until we meet Jesus, right? That's how life is. We all know people. We, we have engaged in some of these things, and it's like it's real life. It's real Life, maybe it's the prayer that you've been praying, um, but God hasn't answered it yet. I met this lady one time. She was married. Um, she met Christ, and she, her husband wasn't on the same page, and she just said, okay, I'm just going to start praying for my husband. And she prayed for like 40 years for this guy to meet Christ, and he finally met Christ um, and it's a beautiful story, but man, sometimes there's that prayer that you're praying over, and it's just like, man, God, when, how long am I going to have to pray this prayer? How long until you move in this situation? Maybe it's the family member or the friend or the sibling, mom or dad that doesn't know Jesus. You've been praying for them forever. Maybe it's the relationship issue that just is not getting resolved. Okay, those of you who are in relationships, I've been married for six and a half years, and and there's stuff that, like, when, when Jessa and I got married, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm, listen, this is how it is. You get married and you're like, that's going to be the first thing that changes. Mm-hmm. And then you, like, a week later, you're like, yeah, that's definitely not going to ever change. <laughs> and it's like th these things, these issues, right, they're there and they're, they're real. And, um, and you're praying about it and you're wrestling with it. Uh, maybe it's a health issue. Maybe it's a health issue that's like been there forever, forever, seems like. No answers. Maybe it's the anxiety that just won't give you a moment of rest. You see, when we are seeing and experiencing and living things that just don't add up with what we think we know about who God is, we are at a real risk for a crisis of faith. We're at a real risk for a crisis of faith when things just don't make sense or don't add up because we, we, we can do one of two things, right? We can wrestle with whatever that is and really bring it at the feet of Jesus and give it to him and wrestle with it and wrestle with God and why is this still here? Why are you not moving? Why are you not taking care of this? I know that you love me. Or if we don't do that, what do we do? We run away. We ignore it like it's not there. 
um, when things don't add up, when God doesn't make sense, it's time to wrestle with God. It's time to wrestle with God. I'm not even saying, hey, it's okay to wrestle with God. I'm saying you need to wrestle with the creator of the universe. We need to engage in this way, and we'll talk about why that is, and I'm excited for tonight because, um, you know, digging into Habakkuk, this is what he does. He sees what God is doing, he sees, um, he sees the impending doom of like the, the uh, southern kingdom of Judah and he sees this corruption and he is mad. He's angry because he's like, God, these are your people and you're just not doing anything. When God doesn't make sense, it's time to wrestle with God. We need to. The Bible's full of people who wrestled with God, right? They, God used them, and they were angry or frustrated at some point in time, and they voiced their complaint. It's like a lament. Okay, do you guys know what a lament is in, in the Bible? It is an outcry of injustice before God. It's when somebody sees something going wrong, and they know that God has the power to handle this thing, and they're crying out. They're saying, God, would you please move in this situation? That's lament. And um, there are lots of them. Actually, there's a whole bunch of psalms of lament. Uh, We even have a book called Lamentations, which is a a, a book of basically 99% is is lament. And it's actually one of my, probably my favorite book in the Bible. We'll we'll jump into it sometime. But um, it's a lament, and there's like this anguish and sorrow. And and actually, that's what Habakkuk is jumping jumping into here. And we even see Jesus, right, on the cross, his last moments was questioning, why, God, have you forsaken me? Wrestling with God. So just a little bit of background really quickly. We, uh, you know, Habakkuk was a prophet. He's one of our minor prophets. He lived about 600 years before Jesus. And I want to show you a couple of pictures really quickly. He, he was in Jerusalem. Um, if you could throw those out there, a couple of maps. Okay, all right, so what we see here is the 12 tribes of Israel. Um, the lowest tribe, the, the southernmost that's blue is Judah. This is where Jerusalem is. This is where um, Habakkuk was, right? He's there. He sees all of this corruption in the temple worship. He sees people. Uh, he sees idolatry, um, and he's frustrated. He knows that God's God's justice, his wrath, his hatred for this stuff is coming. He knows it's coming. The other thing that he sees is he sees um, the Babylonians are, are getting stronger. You can actually switch to the next one. Um, so right here is kind of, so you have the, the northern kingdoms that we just saw. They were actually attacked and destroyed by Assyria. And then Babylon came along afterward and they took over Assyria and then they came down into Judah and attacked Judah. So, like, Habakkuk sees this coming. It hasn't happened yet. But he sees Babylon gaining power, gaining strength, and he knows they're coming their way. And he's angry. Um, this, uh, one of the things that's unique about Habakkuk amongst the other prophets is typically God gives a message to a prophet and then they speak that message to the people, right? So it's 
God through the prophet to the people. But the interesting thing about Habakkuk is actually it's kind of in reverse. So he is kind of like advocating for the people. And he's, he's he, it, it, you know, he's this is from the people kind of to God. And so he's speaking to God, but he's speaking prophetically. And, and then God responds to him through himself. It's kind of a, a, a crazy situation here. Um, But Habakkuk had this dialogue and he had this lament with God. And I'm going to jump in here. We're going to jump through um, verses 1 through 4 here really quickly. You can go ahead and turn there if you haven't already. And I am doing it right now. Here we go. Chapter 1. Okay. Here we go. Verse 1, chapter 1. The prophecy that Habakkuk the prophet received. Here's his lament. How long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen or cry out to you? Violence, but you do not save. Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and there's conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. Pause. Okay, so Habakkuk is making this complaint. He sees this happening. He sees injustice. He sees corruption. And he's like, God, you're looking at this? Why are you looking at this and not doing anything? Are you not a a, a just God? And these are basically the three complaints that he brings before God. Number one is he says, you seem like you just don't care about our needs. You seem like you just don't care. Number two is you can make a difference, but you haven't. You can make a difference, but you haven't. And the third one is like, man, you're just not making any sense. And this is exactly what we dealt with when we were looking at the issue of the of the problem of evil, right, is we're questioning, okay, God is good and he's able. Why does he not eradicate evil and suffering? And this is kind of what Habakkuk's wrestling with as he's seeing this rampant throughout um, the, the southern kingdom of Judah and in temple worship in Jerusalem. And he's saying, God, would you move? Why are you not moving? And then God's response Verse 5, look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. For I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe, even if you were told. I am raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are feared and they're dreaded people. They are a law to themselves and promote their own honor. Their horses are swifter than leopards, fiercer than wolves at dusk. Their cavalry gallops headlong. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle swooping to devour. They all come intent on violence. Their hordes advance like desert wind and gather prisoners like the sand. They mock kings. They scoff at rulers. They laugh at all fortified cities and building Earthen ramps, they capture them. Then they sweep past like the wind and go on. Guilty people whose own strength is their God. 
So this is kind of crazy because Habakkuk is, um, he's crying out to God. Who's ever been there before, right? Um, you don't have to raise your hands, but like, who's ever been in a place where you're like, you're, you're so, maybe you're angry or you're hurt or you're in a place where you're literally screaming or crying out, God, what is going on? Why me? Why this? Why has this happened? Imagine in this place, God literally responds. God responds to him. And he says all of these things. What's God's response? He says, I'm going to do something that's going to blow your mind. And so it's kind of this beautiful um, dialogue that he's having with God. He's, he's hurt, he's angry, and he's wrestling. But what's God's answer? God doesn't say, hey, I'm going to deliver you from these bad people. So many times in, in our own lives, right? And, and we see this all throughout the Psalms. David is praying this, God, deliver me from these evil people, right? This is not what God's plan is here. He's not going to deliver them from the evil people. And this is crazy because these are God's chosen people. And he's literally going to leave them to be devoured by this evil kingdom. That doesn't make sense, right? It doesn't make sense that God would use evil to destroy something that he intended for good. Like, what is that? That doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense that God would employ these horrific evil people to just wipe out his people. This is rough. God says, I'm going to do something in your day, and, and um, it's probably not what Habakkuk expected, right? He probably didn't expect God to say, hey, by the way, um, this evil kingdom, I'm raising them up, and I'm going to send them to you, and they're going to destroy you because you guys are wicked. So couple of things that we can take away from this passage tonight, and then we're going to jump into small groups. What do you do when God's something isn't what you expected? What do you do when God's something isn't what you planned out? I can say in my own life, right, I prayed for certain things once I met Christ, and, and he had plans, and they were totally, totally different than anything I had ever imagined. And, and, and some, you know, it, it's just like it says here, if he told me up front, I would have ran in the opposite direction. It's like I needed to go through that, and he knew that I needed to go through that. So here we go. Just because God seems like he isn't moving doesn't mean that he doesn't love you. Okay, right, it's so easy, right, we're here and a lot of us have had encounters with Jesus and we've been transformed, right, and we can go back and we can think about those encounters, those moments where God bursted into our lives and changed us forever. And we can think about those encounters and we can say, God loves me and I know it because he did this. 
But what we have to be careful, that's great and I love it. We are going to jump into a series here pretty soon that's all about sharing our testimonies. And, and like, guys, I believe that, that we are in, um, you know, our stories, our encounters with Christ are the gospel for the 21st century. I believe it and I think we need to tell it. But the thing that we need to be careful about is that when the opposite happens, when it seems like God is silent, when it seems like he's not moving, when it seems like he's far away, that maybe he's, maybe he's not present, that doesn't mean that he doesn't love you. And it's so easy to fall into that place. I was talking with someone earlier where it was a similar situation that something unexpected had happened. And, and the question is, why? Why? Why did you let this happen to me? I thought you loved me. And it gets at the real root and the core of who we are and our trust in, in Christ. And that's why I think this story is so powerful because it challenges us to step beyond when things are good in our lives to trust God anyway. Number two, I would rather you wrestle with God because to wrestle with him, you got to get close, right? To wrestle with him, you got to get close. You think about wrestling, right? I mean, two dudes or, or folks, you know, and, and it's like, I, I'm not really into wrestling. I'm just going to say that. Um, but, <laughs> but they get really close, right? They get really close. I called, a, um, I called a, a martial arts gym. I was thinking about getting into like some, um, I think it's jujitsu or whatever. And, and he was talking about how when you're sparring because you're like basically on each other, like you're close. And you're like sweating all over each other and stuff. And it's like, that's wrestling, right? That's why we have to wrestle with God is because either we run away or we wrestle. And if we wrestle, we are necessarily getting closer to God. I talk with parents because I, I work with high schoolers too. And I, I talk with parents sometimes and they'll share with me like, oh man, little Johnny is, he's having a lot of questions. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus. And they look at me like, what, what? No, this isn't good. He's questioning his faith. And I'm thinking to myself like, no, he's growing an authentic, real, personal faith because he's wrestling with God. We need to do that. We need to wrestle with the creator. And the last thing is that if you don't wrestle, what do we do? We ignore it. We run away. If we don't wrestle with it, we deal with it, we come to a place where we, we can reconcile with who God is, we're going to run away. Um, one of the best examples of wrestling with God that I've ever seen is this book right here by C.S. Lewis. It's called A Grief Observed. If you could pick it up, pick it up, order it tonight, whatever, Amazon. Here's what happened. C.S. Lewis, if you know the story, he married a lady named Joy Davidman. And three years after their marriage, she passed away from cancer. And actually, uh, I'm pretty sure at their wedding, he knew already at their wedding that she had terminal cancer. And... They knew that the time that they would have together in this romance and this marriage would be just a snapshot on this earth. And he struggled with this, right? Why, God, would you call me to love and marry this woman that you knew you were going to take away from me in three years? 
in this book, he, it's raw. It's really raw. He, he walks through and wrestles with God because he's angry. And if you've ever read C.S. Lewis before, he's a brilliant person. He's a brilliant mind. And if you can imagine someone so brilliant yet so angry and wrestling and, and frustrated and trying to figure out, and he ends up back at the right place where he's worshiping God and he knows that God is on the throne. But, man, I just want to read you a couple of quotes from this book as we close. He says, you never know how much you really believe anything until its truth or falsehood becomes a matter of life and death. Right? Isn't that so true? We, it's easy to play church. It's easy to say, I believe, until our own life is falling apart. And when that happens, it's, man, I don't know how, God, you could let this happen to me. How can you love me and let this happen? Suddenly, our real, authentic, deep-rooted beliefs are, man, they are just challenged. They're uprooted. The next one is, my idea of God is not a divine idea. It has to be shattered from time to time, and he shatters it himself. Man, powerful. Powerful. You can hear that, that frustration, that anger that he's, he's just kind of harnessing there. And the last one, <laughs> I, when I read this, I kind of just, I kind of teared up a little bit. Sometimes it's hard not to say, God forgive God. Have we ever been in a place where life is so hard that we're like, God, you sinned against me. And we're like really feeling like we need to say, God, forgive yourself. But he says, but if our faith is true, he didn't. He crucified him. Let me just pray first and we'll jump into small group. Father, we just uh, we thank you for the story of Habakkuk. As we jump into this, Father, would you just help us to lean in this week and really, um, really ask, what does it mean to wrestle with you? And let's get real about the things that are going on in our lives and stop ignoring them because we're either ignoring them and we're running away from you or we're wrestling and we're getting closer to you. God, help us to be a people, a community of wrestlers where we are taking on those issues in life that are just painful not just sweeping them under the rug. God, help us to, um, as we jump into small group, help us to just be vulnerable. Help us to be real with each other. We're not here to play games. and But also pray that it would be the safest place to talk about anything. We thank you and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen.